Doesn't have to be good. Just be first. The I think there are a few people that the... came from the upside down to actually yes, watch BYU like, men's volleyball. Yes. How many attempts? And doesn't matter. First try. First try. I'm Batman. We will not be discussing any more Dungeons and Dragons for the next few minutes. Siri, let's. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Let's go ahead and cue up our first guest of the day, the Zach Attack. Pause. Celius, three. Got it! Why not? Zach Attack here at Pepperdine. Ten on the day. Eight coming after halftime. Zach Celius, 10 straight points at one point in Malibu. BYU senior forward in Studio B. Zach, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, everything's looking nice. The mustache, the hair. It's, uh, are you pleased with how this has evolved? Yeah, I think so. I don't think this was a plan, but it is now, I guess. And I guess you said it looks good, so we'll I, go with that. I think it looks good. You've become a social media phenomenon. Whether you like or not, you've gained a lot of oh, national attention. Come on, you like it, dude. You're wiping the stash. Yeah. You're playing with the crew. You love it. For the mullet. Uh, why do you think it is people can't get enough of the mustache and the mullet? I have no idea. I mean, it is, it's gross. It's both the mustache and the mullet are both gross. <laughs> And I think that's why people like it. And so someone has to do it, and I guess I'll be the one that does it. Let's talk strategy as a producer, okay? So in the NCAA tournament, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you could legitimately be in one shining moment, okay? So you hit a three, you, you do this, you know. You, so I think you need to know where the cameras are, okay? Yeah. That's my recommendation. Is where's the handheld or where's the, the main camera where it's going to be seen well? And then... You know, after you win the national championship uh, on April 4th or whatever, you're in one shining moment. Okay, this is my recommendation. How do you feel about it? Um, I feel good. Hopefully my wife feels good with that. Okay. I mean, she might not like that because that might be my brand after that. Oh, it's definitely your brand, Zach. Uh, (laughs) It's a little too late for that, right? Yeah, I mean, but there's still a little time that we can just let it be for this year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that you need to find the cameras. I'm pretty sure the cameras will find They Zach. will find you. What I mean is angles. Okay. You know, Blocking. The proper angles. Yes, yes. At this point, Chris Burgess is joking about growing a mustache, too. Is, is this a real thing that he's going to attempt as well? Oh, he probably won't grow it. He, he won't grow it. He'll say he will, mm. and all the coaches will say they will, but only the real ones grow the mustache. Sean Olmstead <laughs> did a few years ago with the women's volleyball team. It was legit. Yeah. It was really good. Okay, let's talk about Pepperdine. What a big win. This was this was a game where you could certainly uh, you know, go to Malibu and think, "Oh, we're ranked 17th. We just beat Gonzaga." But you guys had a tremendous second half. Uh, you had 10 in a row at one point. Um, take us through the mindset of, "Okay, we got to finish this uh, regular season off strong." Yeah, going into that game, we knew it was going to be a big game. We knew that you know, we're going to have to fight every single second You know, because we did come off a really big win, and we are ranked and everything, but we still had you know, we had to finish the season. You know, we weren't done with that Gonzaga game. We had to keep going, and you know, we kind of in that first half were you know, a little slow and stuff, but going into that second half, we're like, all right, this is time. We got to go. We got to get on a run. Like The season's not over, and after that game, we're able to you know celebrate and everything, but now it's back to all right. The season's not over. You know, we still have more games to play, and we just have to keep going and keep fighting. 
Zach Salius with us on BYU Sports Nation. You're not sure who you will play. If chalk prevails, it would be St. Mary's in a Monday semifinal. You just went a full week without playing a game. Now it's going to be nine days. How do you manage that? What's the game plan when you have an extended layoff? Um, I think just to make sure that you're prepared mentally and physically. You know, As you go throughout the week, you just have to be able to do the rehab that you need, be able to stay you know, conditioned for a game, and then be able to know mentally that you're going to have to go out there and fight again. You know, you have a week off, so you know you kind of have to just relax and take it one day at a time still and just know that you got to prepare yourself for that Monday and then be able to fight again. Yoli Childs goes off for 38. Pepperdine decides we're not going to let BYU shoot a ton of threes, right? Um, at what point did you realize, hey, we're just going to throw it in, in into him and he's going to carry this? Um, I think right from the start. I mean, he kept getting easy buckets and they're playing them one-on-one and I would take that any day Yoli going one-on-one in the post you know and so we kept going and you know everyone was like coach we need to go back into Yoli and we just kept doing it and you know it worked and he had a great game and helped us a lot you know we needed that kind of spark to go throughout and I think that's the awesome part is we can Go to him, TJ, Jake, you know, whenever, and it just kind of rotates, and it's that's what makes our team great. You win the post, too. You got some post moves now. You've yeah. been going to that the last two games? Yeah, whenever Yoli needs a little break, I'll just go in there. <laughs> and then you're putting your hand out, like, too small or something, right? That's the signal? Yeah, yeah, they're a little too small. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Zach Selyus on BYU Sports Nation. It's been an interesting story arc for Yoli with the nine-game suspension to begin the season and his finger injury. He is now in the conversation to be West Coast Conference Player of the Year. Did he just solidify that with 38 points and 14 rebounds, in your opinion? Um, I think so. I mean, he's such a great player, and every night he brings it, and he's always doing something even better the next day. And so I think that he deserves it, and that's not being biased of being his teammate. Um, I think he really does deserve it, and I think he has that kind of swagger where he can go – day in and day out and be that kind of guy and to be that conference player and so I mean I think he deserves it but we also have so many great players in the WCC and I think a lot of guys get looked over and I think we have a lot of guys that are really good and uh, I mean Yoli is a fantastic player and he'll have a great career after this as well. Uh, up to nine in net, which is incredible. Top 20 in most of the metrics that matter. Lenardi still has BYU as a six. Do you care what seed you end up with in the NCAA tournament? Um, you, I care to an extent. You, know, you, you kind of care just because you want to know. You want to know where, like how people see you. But I, at this point, it's, all right, just tell us where we're going, tell us who we're playing, and let's go. You know? And that's kind of how it was this week, you know, we want to know who we're playing, you know, what time, where we're going, and then go to Vegas and let's go. Like, we just want to play Monday, and that's kind of our focus now is whatever's going to happen Monday is, you know, on our mind from here on until that day, and we're just going to prepare for that moment. Are you expecting St. Mary's and then Saturday night? If it's not, you'll prepare then for somebody else? I mean, you have to prepare for everyone. You know, the tournament is crazy, and, you know, everyone brings it. You know, you just never know. And so you just have to, you know, focus on you, your team, and to be able to get us right before we start, you know, thinking ahead of ourselves. 
How would you exp- explain the role of Zach Selyus on this BYU basketball team? And, and say it in third person. In third person? <laughs> um, man, I have no idea. I think Zach is someone who is uh, kind of just does whatever, you know, is kind of that guy that, you know, whatever coach wants, he can go do it. You know, whatever you need, he'll do it. If you want him to celebrate on the bench, he'll do it. And I think that's just kind of uh, the mentality that you have to take. And, you know, when you have such a great team and so many great players, you got to have someone who just is a role guy and is just able to kind of bring everyone together and just do whatever is necessary to win. Now currently, Zach Look at that is, coachability. I know. He, he read, he, you explained the play once. Impressive. And, yeah. he, and he runs the play. Currently, Zach <laughs> is a guy that's uh, gone double-digit scoring the past two games. Yeah, let's talk about that. So Dalton Nixon goes down um, you know, four, four games ago. You've sort of taken some of the role, especially defensively against Killian Tilly, against Gonzaga, and uh, a few more points. It feels like you've been a little more aggressive on both ends of the floor. Was that a conscious effort without Dalton in there? Um, yeah. I mean, defensively is more, uh, you got to go in and we got to get stops. Like, that's where it all starts, is on defense. And on offense, it was just kind of, you know, it just happened. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to go out there and find my points and find, you know, ways that I can score. Uh, it was just, you know, my guy helped a little too much, and so I had a wide-open layup or something. And, you know, that's just kind of the way it rolls. And that's kind of how you have to go every single day is offense, it'll come. You know, you just have to aggressive defensively and be able to focus on that, and then it'll all come later. This is all clearly very exciting when you talk about increased exposure and national attention. How do you and your team handle it? Because it's only going to ramp up even more. BYU is one of the hottest teams in the country. A lot of people are saying some really, really, comp, uh, I guess, confident and uh, complimentary things about BYU. How do you handle it as a team? Um, I think we're a very veteran team. I think we understand you know, what we can look at and be excited about and what we shouldn't look at. And, you know, we're, we know what it's like. We know like kind of how it will be. And we knew that from the start. And we knew that if we start winning, then there's going to be, you know, a big uproar on people. And so we just kind of have to stay, you know, guarded a little bit as a team and just kind of focus on ourselves and what we're doing right now and to be able to just you know, keep level head and just keep going every single day and trying to get better every day. Zach, how have you changed the most as a player from freshman year to now as a veteran senior? Well, one, I have a mustache. <laughs> so that changes a lot of things. Yeah. Your hair's a little longer. Yeah, a little longer. Um, <laughs> but I think I've just kind of grew every single year on a different you know, different part of the game, you know, one year shooting, one year defense, you know, whatever it is, you know, just kind of brought it all together as a full player. And I think that's kind of where I've changed from being a freshman to a senior now is being able to do almost everything possible and play every position and to be able to do it well. And so I think that's kind of where I've become great. Polished is the word I would use, both the on and off floor. I want you Polished to go back and watch your. Yeah. I want you to go back and watch your first interview that you did on BYU Sports Station compared to the one you just did. That just uh, we'll the, send you the YouTube link. The yeah. senior leadership is real, man.
Yes. Yeah. Well, po- yeah, there is mustache polish, like wax, right? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever used that, or are you just a raw? Oh, I have it. Don't yeah? worry. Yeah. You have a little comb and everything? <laughs> yep. It's oh, all nice. in my locker. Yeah, yep. It's in yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just a couple of guys <laughs> who've run mustaches here. Zach, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for uh, the approaching week in the West Coast Conference semifinals uh, against whoever. We won't see it for a week. Yeah. But we will see you. See you next yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, trust me, we're going to be there uh, Wednesday night. So uh, if you need anything, let us know. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Thank you. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Uh, Baseball, basketball, both men's and women's. We've got track and field dominating. Gymnastics is top 17 right now. Things are good. Oh, and now throw in the spring football card for BYU. Oh, yeah, that. It happens today. Practice opens up, and that has us asking ourselves, what are the top storylines as BYU football moves into 2020 spring football? Jerem, for me, it's hard not to look immediately at the quarterback scenario as the number one storyline. When will it not be that? But what about it? What's the question you're asking? Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall. What do you do with those two players because they're healthy? Zach Wilson's healthy. He's the incumbent. But what do you do with two guys that what, started? What do you mean? What do you do with and them? won games last year? Who's who's backup? Who's the second string? Jaron Hall's clearly the number two to me. I, I don't think this is in question. I, I think it's just how do you use him? I, I think that's the question. We saw what Jaron Hall did against uh, South Florida. Unfortunately, BYU loses that. He gets knocked out. Baylor Romney at least be, gets BYU into the red zone twice. Obviously, Baylor Romney has the best win of the year mm-hmm. um, and, and plays well there against Boise so State. So doesn't that factor into him being the backup potentially? No, because Jaron Hall was clearly the better quarterback in my opinion. I think Baylor Romney is a good player, but um, he, he's the third string here. They put him on scholarship. Sol J. Maiava is on scholarship mm-hmm. as well, so four. To me, it's, it's clear. One, two, three. Can BYU use Jaron Hall in an effective way somehow without lessening what Zach Wilson can do? Because I think sometimes, even on this show, we act like Zach Wilson's not a runner. He is a tremendous runner. Is Jaron Hall a better runner? Yes. But Zach w- Wilson's a better passer. BYU struggled at the end of the year to uh, put up enough points against San Diego State and to uh, finish and win the game against Hawaii. So there is, I can understand some frustration. But to me, it's clearly Zach Wilson as a starter. No question. Clearly, Jaron Hall is the two, mm-hmm. and then Baylor Ramsey. See, I don't know that it's so clear at number two. And, and maybe I'm What not, has Jaron Hall done to not deserve to be in the number two? It's he not was so tremendous. Much, it's, it's not so much in, what Jaron Hall Florida hasn't done. Did. It's what Baylor Romney did to make this a more difficult decision in my mind. He beat Boise State. So you're saying there's a backup quarterback competition? Yes. Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> it's at BYU. It's the quarterback. It's something. Uh, Devontae Henry Cole is going to be the guy at running back along with Lopini Cato, but he can't play in spring football. Right. He's not at BYU right now. He he's has to be enrolled. He has to graduate. He's graduate. To be a graduate transfer, you have to do something called graduate first. So I, I don't know that we'll get a ton from the running back situation. Obviously, it's an opportunity for guys to get better, but who's the running back's coach? Yeah, BYU has uh, yet to fill that. Uh, we've mentioned it uh, feels like Harvey Younger versus the field, so we'll see. BYU's going to start today without a running back's coach. Who's the offensive coordinator is the question. It's Jeff Grimes last year, but uh, obviously Aaron Roderick had a tremendous influence over the offense. Uh, it, there can be a difference between who the OC is and who the play caller is. Often these are the same person, but as you may recall, uh, for a time Bronco Mendenhall was the defense, defensive coordinator and Nick Howe was the play Caller or vice versa. I'm trying to remember. Um, that can happen too. I would like BYU to just clear the air on that. 
Who's the OC? Who's calling the plays? If it's hidden, why is it hidden? Why does it matter? Like, just it's all good. The responsibilities laid out. So, and, there and then is I no want to know question. who's getting paid the most because that's who the real OC is. <laughs> who's getting paid the most? How about the wide receivers? We talked about Neil Pau a little bit earlier yeah. today. Um, we know that BYU brings back a solid uh, core in Gunnar Romney and Dax Milne. What will the in, uh, the injection of Neil Pau do for the wide receivers group? And yeah, yeah, that'll help. Keanu Hill coming off a retro. None of these. None of these guys have made big plays in big games quite yet. Gunner seems like the most Well, Gunner ma- Gunner made some big catches. He made a big play against USC, right? Yeah, Dax had the touchdown. I mean, like, more than, like, a play or two. Okay. I'm talking, okay. like, now they're the guys that, who's going to have seven for 80 in a game at Minnesota? Like, who's that guy? I would, I would pencil Matt in. <laughs> I would put, yeah. I mean, at receiver. Yeah, Matt Bushman certainly at tight end. But I mean, like, stretching the field vertically. Even horizontally, like uh, what, what kind of impact can these guys have? Does BYU have an alpha on this team at the moment at receiver? No. Can one of these guys develop, develop into, that? into that? Perhaps. We'll see. Um, I, I, like, I like Gunnar Romney. I like the idea of Cody Epps, right, in the slot. Um, yet he's a freshman right out of high school. Hard to expect a ton when you're, when you're playing the kind of schedule that BYU plays. So that's a question mark. We just don't know the answer, but I'm excited to see how it plays out. And I think we feel like, uh, for the most part, uh, we understand what BYU is going to bring back defensively. There will be some movement yeah. in terms of positions with Zane Anderson and whatnot, but we feel like we know the personnel on offense. That that is not the case outside of running back, or sorry, outside of quarterback and tight end, right? You, you know, well, and, and O line, we know the oh, we the, know the personnel, uh, no. absolutely, yeah, fair, and like too deep, right? Um, defensively, we talked about last week the report of a four-two-five. Like, is BYU really running that? Is that just spring? You wouldn't run it in spring with zero intention of running it in fall. So if BYU is running that in the spring, and we can ask about that tonight after practice, full coverage tomorrow, right here on BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, what, what's the situation there? What are they doing? But you're right. With personnel, we feel like we know kind of who's doing what, right? And you lose Diane Gawalakun Austin Lee, and you inject Troy Warner uh, and Chris Wilcox, which those are veteran fifth-year seniors coming back. It is now time for the BYU basketball resume update. And there hasn't been much change recently. The net rankings, BYU holding strong at number nine. Staying at nine, yep. There's not much room to move up, right? Like, it's, no, it's easier no. to move when you're down around no. 60 or I, I'm 50. I'm ecstatic with these numbers. It's, it's not much. You beat St. Mary's and Gonzaga, then you'll pop up a couple of spots. Well, we'll see. Not, there's not much wiggle room with seven losses. Ken Palm, still 10. ESPN Basketball Power Index, still at number 14. I'll take top 16, Sagarin 16. I'll take top 16 in four. We talked about it yesterday. That means BYU could be a 4-5. That's what that means. Well, and the strength of record is still 24. In the KPI, BYU is down one from 28 to 29. KPI, get out of here. Bracket matrix, 81 of 81. Brackets, average 5.3, high 3, low 7. That's so My mom has BYU as a 12. I'm like, Mom, why are they not like a 5? Think about this. Go back to the day that BYU lost at San Francisco. And it's like, ah, they're they're bubblicious. Just just win a couple of big games. You got to beat St. Mary's. Just get get into the tournament. Who cares if if you're an 11 or a 12 seed? Now the high seed is a 3. The low seed is a 7. And they're a lock. It just, it's this amazing fun, how man. much yeah. it has changed. Take care of business here. Over the last six weeks. Down there. All right, our rootables. 
Uh, San Diego State beat Air Force 73-60. That's good. You want the Aztecs to keep winning at the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Houston lost to UConn by yeah, six. I watched some of that one. The Red Cougars drop a spot to 20 in the net, so not great. Boise State beat UNLV on their home court. I was hoping UNLV would win and climb into the top 100, but alas. But Boise State moves up three spots in the net, so it's... Yeah, I don't yeah. know how much it actually hurts BYU. Yeah. The big one is Utah State beating New Mexico. That, that's going to ensure that Utah State will be a quadrant one victory for BYU, regardless of what happens to the so. Aggies now. Yeah, I think so. Uh, today, Boise State playing San Diego State. I think you either one. doesn't matter. Santa Clara against Pepperdine. Pepperdine dropped two spots in it. BYU needs Pepperdine to stay a quad two in the top 135. So I, I would say BYU fans are probably rooting for Pepperdine. We're going to be involved in that game, so we're not going to tell you who to root for, per se. Oh, wait, we just did. Uh, LMU, San Francisco. Either one, whatever. Wyoming, Utah State. You want Utah State to continue to win to help the resident. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. And right now we're queuing up BYU football. Into practice two today of 15 spring practices. And to wrap up day one, I went one-on-one with BYU football head coach Kalani Satake and ran him through the gamut of all of your burning questions. Here is that interview. Kalani, how would you sum up day one of spring football? Yeah, a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm excited because uh, although we missed the seniors that graduated, uh, the amount of upperclassmen and, and guys that are returning with playing experience is huge for us. And so um, it, it seemed a, a lot easier because we could focus on different things rather than teaching and, and learning the plays. Uh, this is something that the guys already know, and we can kind of focus on some really um, crucial details that will help them you know, be better. And I thought uh, defensively that helped out. I know offensively did as well. And we got some special teams work. So I, I think team made a huge a huge step in, in practice one and looking forward to the next 14. Every team tries to establish an identity as they should. Um, what do you know about this team as of March, early March, we'll say? Well, we just keep working. This this team will work really hard and uh, good things will happen when you have guys that just with this type of work ethic and, and this determination, you know, so the, the sense of urgency in our program and with our players leading the way, it's, it's uh, setting the standard for everything else. And uh, really the new guys get in here and they feel like they have to get get going really quickly, and that's a good sign. So uh, if we can just um, let the seniors and then the juniors, the, the the guys with a lot of playing experience, keep leading the way, then I think we'll be in a good good place. Who are who are some of the new guys, uh, whether they're freshmen or returning missionaries, that uh, you feel like are making an impact right now? Well, it's hard to like mention one, but I, there's a lot of guys that I think, with some of the position changes that we've made, you know, and getting guys at different looks at different places, I think that's going to hu- be a huge impact for our our team and, and the production that we want to get from our from our defense, offense, and special teams. So I, it's hard for me to men- mention one person because I'll forget probably another dozen. Let's talk about those position changes. Uh, Zane Anderson running around at the secondary looks a lot slimmer. Says he feels a ton faster. He's with the corners uh, as as well. Uh, Max Tooley also back there on the secondary. Um, what do you expect from those guys? What's the plan for Zane and and Max and any others on the defensive side? Yeah, I think that's more natural. That what what they want to, um, for their their body and their and their um, instincts. I think fit the DB style now. Whether they're playing uh, you know nickel safety or or corner. That all depends on on how the competition goes, but um, I think you know in the past we've had to move guys around to try to get 
the best 11 on the field and sometimes that meant bulking up some guy that that probably doesn't fit the best at linebacker now with so much depth at linebacker we can move guys around it gives it gives us a lot more freedom to you know put a max Tooley over with the safeties and put um you know zane play around with him at safety and corner and i think that gives us a lot a lot better uh flexibility to get the best 11 on the field and that's uh, with all these guys that are returning at linebacker and have tons of experience so i'm um, looking forward to it it's going to be a lot of fun Who's going to join Kyra's Tonga up front to try and get that uh, defensive push in the front line? Uh, competition is still out, but I think we definitely have a lot of bodies that can compete. I think Nice Omahe and, and Bracken Obaka came along. Um, you know, we're, we're still playing around with it with uh, uh, some others that whether they play inside or outside, that depends on on um, where we feel like we can get the best fit with our ends. You know, so uh, whether we're playing a four man front or three man front, I think it all depends on on. Uh, Kyrus being in there you know and so I think he's focused and lost a lot of weight already and and I think he wants to be an every down guy which I think will help him in the next level and definitely help our team what kind of different schemes are you going to try because I know that a 425 was floated out there into the media on social media and uh, so what what kind of different schemes are you looking at with this team a lot so I I mean I don't really want to let everyone know what our strategy is but I, I think the key is to get the best 11 on the field and in the position where we can create havoc and um, have flexibility to just do a lot of different things. We have a bunch of smart guys that can run a bunch of different plays and different schemes, and we've spent a lot of time establishing a solid foundation of, of a team that can adapt and do a lot of different things, and it took a little bit more time in this off season to get us ready, and I, I feel like in day one of install in spring football, we are really right where we need to be, and I'm so I'm really excited about it. So, yeah, without saying too much, yeah, we can do a lot of different things. And this is the first time I felt that way as a head coach where we can kind of just do whatever's best for our scheme. And, and we have guys that understand it. I mean, we were doing install on the field and just doing a couple changes on the field today in practice. And it was an easy transition for our guys because they, they've seen it and they played it. Why do you think that is? Is it a leadership thing? Is it an experience thing? Is it both? Probably a little bit of both, but also just um, – them understanding what all the other 10 guys are doing on the field and, and understanding the scheme a little bit more and uh, raising their level of football IQ. So that, that, that helps out. And and then us just stressing them a little bit, you know, letting them know that, that them knowing more is going to help our team be better and help them perform better. On the offensive side, Zach Wilson comes back. He's the incumbent starter. But then you have the curious case of Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall who have both proven in games that they are very capable players. Is there a race for the backup quarterback position there's a race for all the quarterbacks to be as good as they can so uh, we'll play the best guys and and we feel really comfortable with the talent that's there and and the talent that we've recruited you know so uh, we we should never be in a position where we're struggling to get a quarterback on the field that can help us win and so I I think um, if you look in the years past decades ago you know we've we've done really well in that position when guys have been stressing the starter for, for some playing time and I feel like we have a really good opportunity for that to happen at the running backs group, you get the uh, injection of Devontae Henry Cole once he graduates from the U and comes over here in the fall. Until then, what does the running backs room look like? Yeah, you, you have Tyler Algier who, who finished the season there. And then, you know, Sion now still coming along with his injury, but he's doing a great job at leading and, and helping get the guy set up. But, um, you know, Lopini Katoa is still there. And, and so he he can do a lot of different things. He's versatile. He can, he can catch the ball in the backfield. And uh, I think, um, you know, those guys, I think the, the – the connection of Jackson McChesney 
being a little bit older and being off his mission longer is going to be huge for us. And and uh, you, then you're going to see some other guys start to emerge as we get further down the line. But uh, right now we feel like that that's a good group. And um, you know, offensively, I think we can put him in a position to really have an impact in games. What's the latest with Neil Pau? Because he posted on social media, it's good to be back, and, and he's had uh, kind of a windy road, but it's nice to see him at practice. What can you tell us about Neil and when he'll get going again? Yeah, he's ready to roll, you know, and so he's he's 100% with us and really proud of the things that he's done and, and the position that he is in right now, you know. So uh, looking forward to him being a contributor to our team and competing for a starting spot. And, and I know that we could, uh, you know, we missed him last year. He was on the team, but he redshirted, but I think it'd be really uh, good for him to make some plays for us this year and, just glad uh, the things that, that that he was able to accomplish in the last year and really proud of him. So, yeah. And now, Lad, I know a lot of people are concerned about Chaz Ayu and wondering how he's doing. What's the latest on Chaz that you can tell us? Yeah, Chaz is on the team. He's working with the honor code, working with, with the school and, and um, working with, uh, you know, with uh, the community and trying to get things better. But I think it'd be, they're still going through the process. You know, we love Chaz and, and uh, we're here to support him. He knows that, but he's still currently on the team. will not be participating in spring. Um, but he'd be with us, and uh, there's a process that he has to go through. And, um, you know, I think it's probably – that's probably the most I can say about that right now, And other than we love him and we'll let him go through the process, and then we'll be there to support him regardless of what, what happens football-wise. But right now, most important thing is Chaz himself as a person. You still need a running backs coach. When can we expect uh, that to be announced? Yeah, well, you and Jerem don't want to come coach him. No, I um, – You don't want us to coach him. No, that, that was a big joke, so for – all the fans that thought I was serious. No, the um, no disrespect to you guys. You guys are great. None taken. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I think uh, it's important that we go through the the process, take our time, make sure that we do things the right way, and uh, just you know, do everything the right way. And and I think uh, right now there's a lot of great candidates that can that can fill the spot. Right now, we have a great candidate that's um, running the room. You know, with with um, Harvey Harvey Unga, and he's doing that with with um, Steve Clark and. The rest of the group, you know, with A Rod and Grimey and Mateos and so and Fessy. So I think it's going to be uh, right now. We'll we'll see how it goes, but I think uh, hopefully soon. How about that? I'll take that. That that's an acceptable answer. Uh, speaking of Grimey, I saw him in a sling. How's he doing? How's he holding up? Yeah, I mean he's he's had uh, you know. Unfortunately, when you get to our age, uh, things start breaking down, and I think it got to the point of no return for him, where it's either get surgery or or you know or or I don't know, chop it off. I have no idea, but uh, I'd like him to keep his arm, you know. So um, he's in a sling, and, and uh, just, he's a tough guy. He'll be able to handle it. So I think he can still yell and cheer and be excited. Just can't do chest bumps or anything right now. Okay, we'll finish up with this. Uh, your pass catchers, hard not to be impressed, just as a, as a bystander watching the depth of your tight ends. Um, what can you tell us about the, the growth of that group? Yeah, it helps out getting Matt Bushman back. But, I, I mean, seeing guys like Isaac Rex and Carter Wheat and, and um, Hank Tupelosu still coming back from injury, but he'll be ready. But uh, Alema Pili Mai, I mean, I'm going to forget somebody. But uh, you, you see guys really starting to to emerge. And then Bentley Hanshaw's back from his mission. Uh, so it's a deep group, you know, and Mason Wake's playing some tight end and fullback. And so uh, there's a lot of different um, different things we can do with that group. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. <laughs> You guys, they, they, I mean, they're 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 the kind of group that would remind me who I forgot. But we'll list them all on TV. It's okay. It's and all those guys. Yeah, there's there's some people out there, but and then there there might be more. Who knows? But uh, Steve Clark's done an amazing job with them, and then I think the receivers are, are looking really good right now too. So 
um, you know, with, with Dax and, and Gunner and, um, you know, with Neil that we mentioned. So there's going to be a good group and good battle, and, and uh, I think there's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of fun seeing them sorted out. I'm sure you saw it. Your tight ends make some amazing TikTok videos as well. Yeah, I mean, some people show me that stuff. I, I don't have a lot of time to do that, but I mean, people can tell that I'm hardly on social media, and and so I apologize if people are following me expecting something. If there's more food involved, I'll probably tweet more or whatever. TikTok with eating. Free cookies if you TikTok a certain number of times a month. TikToking, eating all different forms of cookies, and I think that'll go really big, right? I don't know. We've got to ask the younger sure, people. Sure. Right now, my daughter's like, Dad, shut up. Stop talking. So I'll keep, I just keep working on my dance moves. <laughs> Fair enough. Kalani, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for the update. Go Cougs. Let's go. Cookies with Kalani on TikTok. Look for it. I'm sure that could get sponsored. We could figure that out. I'm sure it could. Yeah. Coach's show? What are we doing? (laughs) This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We welcome in now... The newest color commentator and analyst for BYU TV Sports as of last night, former BYU basketball head coach Dave Rose. Hey, nice! first of all, nice job. What was the best part of making that debut down here in Vegas? The best part has got to be the fact that uh, my debut as a Division One head coach, we lost. And last night, we didn't lose. We just... <laughs> you won. We won. The broadcast team won. Yeah, it was... Uh, and it was really fun. The game wasn't as competitive as I thought it would like to, you know, get some real analytics as far as analyzing the game. But um, I thought that uh, it was great working with Roxy Bernstein, man, one of the best ever. And so uh, it was fun and uh, look forward to the game tonight. You've been coaching forever. It's such a big part of your life, right? What's it like to be on this end of it now? It, it's so different. I, I, I mean, I've spent, I spent a day at uh, the Mount West Conference Tournament, did some radio for three games there. And it's I mean, it's almost like you write a book on the difference between these tournaments as a participant and in these tournaments as a spectator. And it's uh, it, it it feels it feels really good. Uh, I'm I'm really relaxed. I'm excited. But the memories of you know the 14 years as the head coach at BYU in the Thomas and Mac and those Mount West Conference Finals and, and now moving over here to the Orleans and. Um, it's it's uh it's, it's it's pretty fun actually, and I don't say fun very often in my life, so that's good. <laughs> good, you're having fun. This is yeah, fun. Yeah, is. yeah. BYU basketball has a nine day layoff. They are one of the hottest teams in the country. They've won nine in a row, but now they got to sit around for a while. So let's discuss the pros and cons of having that lengthy layoff, starting with the pros, if there are any. Well, it's not only a nine day layoff, but you take the week before where they had a bye. You know, so they've only played one game in, what, 16 or 17 days, which is really different at this time of year. I mean, and as the, as a player, going through it as a player, you don't want three or four days of practice. You want to play, you know. And uh, as a coach going through it, you want to get that game plan in. You want to know who your opponent is, and you want to get ready and then go play. And so those are emotions that you all have to deal with. The fact that uh, – your team gets rest. Okay, that's a, that, that's a good thing. And uh, as a coach, you're going to make make it all seem really good because uh, you don't want your um, you, you know you don't want your players 
to, to vacillate back and forth, forth with their focus. They just want to be dialed straight in. But I can tell you this right now, that Coach Pope and his team wish they knew who they were playing with this with this uh, um, break because you can really dial in in preparation. But uh, right now, I guess, what are you talking about? There's three different possibilities right Santa now. Santa Clara, Pepperdine, or St. Mary's. Right, and so um, – you know they're 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 probably dialed in on the higher seed in St. Mary's, but uh, still there's possibility that you could play, um, you know, three different squads. Any cons, if any, to the well, yeah, waiting you have to wait, and but you get healthy, and so what? What do you think of this format, by the way? Which is basically what Gonzaga wanted is we don't want our RPI previously net affected negatively. We want to just show up Monday and play. And this is the way they had it before BYU came into the league. And when they came and BYU came into the league, then they went to a uh, true, you know, semifinals uh, or quarterfinals, final, semifinals, final. This is interesting, and, and right now I'm sure BYU really love it because the top teams, you'd love the opportunity to just have to come in and play two games, and there's not a Sunday break anymore, which uh, is always an issue when you play on a Saturday, and then you got a Sunday off, and how you prepare for that Monday. Um, at one time it was a final, and then it moved to the semifinal. Um, so, you know, I think all those things uh, are good in this format. But uh, I talked to so many different coaches who, you know, if you're going to have a tournament, you bring a tournament is you bring everybody down here and everybody, you know, plays and it's all equal, but uh, not so much in this. You're really getting rewarded for your regular season uh, success. All right, let's look at these games from a matchup standpoint. BYU, again, if the higher seeds prevail and Chalk moves on, will take on St. Mary's on Monday and then potentially a rematch with Gonzaga and that rubber match for a championship on Tuesday. Just from a matchup perspective, personnel to personnel, which team is the tougher matchup for BYU, the Gales or the Zags? Well, I think I think when you talk about you know the matchup, obviously you, you, you've got to talk about the team that has been the most successful here and the team that's been number one in the country for four weeks, number in the top five in the poll almost all year long. I mean, that's that's uh, uh, going to be a, a really tough game when you get to that. But as far as the style of play, the St. Mary's game, it, I mean, it's an issue because uh, Gonzaga plays a lot more like BYU plays. I mean, there's a lot of possessions. It's up and down. You get into those St. Mary's games, especially in a tournament. Randy knows that his team isn't the deepest team he's ever had. He's got Jordan Ford that's playing more minutes than I think anybody in the country, and he has to be on the floor for that team to be good. So I think he'll he'll limit possessions even more now in this tournament than he did in the regular season. And uh, that just means you have to be so much better in your execution on every possession because you're not going to have as many. So, um, you know, it's funny because you sit around from the outside and right now BYU is not even thinking about Gonzaga. And this is what we're talking about. You know, what, what matchup would you rather have? So uh, th- that's that's always, uh, you know, if you want the inside take of what they're doing, they are dialed in on Pepperdine, Santa Clara, and St. Mary's. They haven't even thought of Gonzaga yet. And luckily, uh, Santa Clara and Pepperdine are the last two opponents they've played, so the game plan's pretty fresh there, right? St. Mary's uh, was a few games ago, but we, we were saying, man, that, those were so tough. The, the one on over, uh, in overtime in Moraga without Yoli Childs, asterisk, right? And then you do the one at home. T.J. Haas has to hit a, a big shot there. That was a tougher game than maybe even Gonzaga at home. Yeah, but I think this team, that St. Mary's game at home and that big shot and the big win, 
this team's been a different animal since that game. And I think, you know, I mean, I was watching some earlier games of the season, uh, and, you know, there was so much anticipation and speculation and was it would this team make the NCAA tournament and what what was going to happen. And, you know, in the last three or four weeks, I mean, this, this team is not only an NCAA tournament team, but it's, you know, it, there's a chance that you could get a top four seed, you know, in, in the tournament. And so um, I think the confidence that they play with is way different since they won that St. Mary's game uh, at home. And the, the fact that uh, that Yoli played in one and didn't play in the other might be an advantage to BYU because I think St. Mary's uh, – you know they 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 they're going to have to come up with a game plan uh, to handle one of those two guys, either Yo or, or TJ. And obviously Jake is a huge factor in this. He's the third guy that you can depend on every night to get you you know get to score for you. And his matchups are are terrible. But uh, um, you know TJ's ability to run that show and he had a huge offensive game at St. Mary's and then Yoli's big game uh, at home. Um, St. Mary's got their hands full. If this was a St. Mary's <laughs> sponsored show, we'd be well, really worried about it. We'd be sweating, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Coach Dave Rose with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars are a projected five seed by Joe Lunardi, by Jerry Palm of CBS. The Athletic. And the Athletic. As a coach, uh, in late February and early March, how much are you paying attention to where the seed, the fluidity of the seeding and, and where you could potentially be? Well, you know, we went, what, seven years in a row, I think eight out of nine years. And so it was um, it was something that was in our kind of our DNA. I mean, we just knew that was going to happen. And it got to the point for me and our staff that we weren't as concerned about the seed as we were about the location and the matchup. And I think that's, you know, when you talk about this, I think the Cougs would love to get to Spokane and get a matchup, you know, with the team that uh, – plays kind of their style and let's we'll allow them to do what what they do because when they can do what they do i think they can beat anybody it's going to be you know a defensive game plan that's going to come in and take them out of what they really like to do and make other things happen and in this league it's been proven that it, it's hard to take tj out of anything tj can do whatever he wants to do the defense right now is just wrong because because tj makes the right decision he makes the right play um, and then Yoli's ability to score in the block, and then the, the three-point shooting with Zach and um, and, and uh, Jake and I mean, Alex. I mean, my gosh, it's it's a it's, it's a formidable team. And there's a lot of coaches out there right now that are just thinking, let's not get BYU as the first round game. <laughs> right, and yeah. we're no matter who you are, right? It'd be interesting to see if BYU matched up with. Another one of these teams down the road, should they be able to win in the NCAA tournament? Because you look at those ones, and it's like, who's played three of those this year? You set Mark up with an amazing schedule, by the way. That was your gift to Mark. Yeah, well, I, 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 when when he got the job, he wasn't that grateful for the <laughs> <laughs> Now he is. But uh, they've, they've just been so consistent. They've been so good. They've gone through so many things. I mean, you guys have documented you know, the whole deal for the season. And this will be, well, it is. It's been one of the most, you know, special BYU basketball seasons ever. And now you got to kind of put a stamp on it and make a run in this, this tournament. And this this is going you know, to be really tough. I mean, you know, I, I've been at BYU, I coached at BYU for 22 years. We won one conference tournament. And that was when the host team, UNLV, was, wasn't in the tournament. We beat New Mexico in the finals. 
And uh, Trent Whiting hit a huge shot in the corner. I mean, every time I see him, I give him a big hug, you know, because we uh, we got that uh, that win. But uh, th- this is hard to do. It- it's really hard to do. And the, the Zags kind of have the um, you know the mantra of hey, it's our tournament, and we come down here, and this is what we do. And the, the whole Zag Nation shows up. It- it'll be a heck of a crowd if it is Gonzaga and BYU. But St. Mary's is the defending champion. Yeah. So we, we got a real puzzle here that uh, is going to be fun to watch. And like I said, fun is a, is, is, is a, <laughs> what it is for me. Because I'm telling you what, it, it's it's not fun. It is, it, it's a grind. It's fun when the game's over. And then you go, my gosh, that's a huge win. But you dial right in on the next one, you know. And if you do get beat, it's so disappointing. you, you got to spend so much time on putting your arms around the guys and get ready for the next game, whatever that game is. And this year, BYU fans know that there's going to be an NCAA tournament game. And so, but that doesn't at all, uh, you know, make you feel any better if you don't get done here, what you really want to do. Coach, great to have you in the fold, man. Let's do it again tonight. All right, we will. We'll do it tonight. Hang out tonight. We'll get a much better game, I'm sure, with Santa Clara and Pep tonight. All right, absolutely. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. After day one of spring football, the narrative of a quarterback competition is resurfaced. Uh, Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, all guys that have won games mm-hmm. and look pretty good, right? So Kalani Satake, what say ye? There's a race for all the quarterbacks to be as good as they can. So uh, we'll play the best guys, and, and we feel really comfortable with the talent that's there and, and the talent that we've recruited. You know, So uh, we, we'll, we should never be in a position where we're struggling to get a quarterback on the field that can help us win. Spencer, is there a quarterback competition? Yes, but primarily for the second-string position. Oh. It is Zach Wilson's job. Yeah. Have we not figured this out already based on what we've seen in the past and how the coaches have decided to play Zach Wilson when and where, and they wanted him back on the field as soon as possible? Maybe he was rushed back last season and that hurt BYU a little bit. Well, why? Because Because Jaron Hall was hurt and Baylor Romney was hurt. But if Jaron Hall doesn't get hurt, he may start the rest of the year. Like Zach doesn't have to be rushed in. Baylor Romney doesn't have to play at all. So it was nice to discover Baylor Romney. And what he did against Boise State, I'm going to continue that joke. Was it even hard to beat Boise State? BYU played its third-string quarterback. (laughs) And it's like fifth-string running back. Best win of the year. I'm just trying to rub it to uh, Boise State. I'm with you, dude. There's no no competition for one. Should there always be a high level of play? Yes. But Zach Wilson, when he's healthy, he's the best quarterback BYU has. Yet, Jaron Hall is not far behind. And Baylor Romney is not far behind that. It's really close, and it's really... Awesome to have three oh. capable guys. This is the best quarterback room BYU's had since, like, QBU era? Maybe, Question mark? Maybe John Beck and Max Hall? Pretty good, but who was the third that was good? You know what I mean? Like, a third where you're like, he could start and we'd be fine. Blaine Fowler always talks about being in the quarterback room with uh, Mark Will, you know, or Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, like, in 81. That is wild. It's unbelievable. I'm not saying it's that level. They're not like three All-Americans that are all going to play in the NFL. It'd be nice if one of them played in the NFL. But these guys are exactly what BYU needs. They are good enough to win BYU nine games. Yeah. Zach Wilson's the guy. Even without saying it publicly yesterday, Kalani Satake 
and his coaches, they've made him the guy, and that's totally fine. He's healthier than he's ever been at BYU, by the way. So what kind of difference will that make for the Cougars? And again, I think the real competition happens between Jaron and Baylor. Maybe, just maybe, Jaron is pushed into a situation where he can take on more of a Taysom Hill role in New Orleans for the Cougars, where he could play a little wide receiver, a little slot, a little running back. I don't know. I don't see that, but I'm interested into how they will use him. Uh, I, I agree there's no competition um, there, perhaps for the number two. I do think Jaron Hall's the number two, I think, which, by the way, he wore a BYU baseball shirt under his mesh jersey. Of course he did. He so just hit a awesome. grand slam. Yeah. Uh, other notes that we should mention uh, from day one. Zane Anderson training with the cornerbacks. He looks a lot lighter, and he yeah. told me, in his words, I feel way faster. Which is good. Uh, George Udo at safety. He's the name to remember. Neil Pau uh, missed practice yesterday, but he is – uh, cleared to go. He's back. To me, he's one of the top three receivers BYU has when he's healthy and ready to go. Hank Tui Peloto out practicing, but not a full go yet. Jeff Grimes uh, tore his rotator cuff in the offseason. He was in a sling. So he's like other guys recovering from offseason shoulder surgery. Devin Kafusi not dressed, perhaps, from a surgery in the offseason. And then okay. Harvey Unga is running the running back room. Will he be the guy? Will he be the guy? Uh, we've mentioned it. It feels like Harvey versus the field for that job. Um, and coming up with Klein Sataki, he will answer that question from you of when will that person be hired? Yes. We go through all of the position groups in that conversation, at least briefly, my one-on-one with Kalani Sataki. And how good do the tight ends look right now? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we were on the sideline watching the media portion. We were like, hey, there's tight That's ends a good for days, group. man. That's a good group. A lot of six-five dudes with the good hands, you know? The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The law firm of Durant and Shepard. <laughs> We're here to figure out why in the world Yoli Childs was not named the West Coast Conference Player of the Year and why Mark Pope was not named the West Coast Conference Coach of the Year, losing out to Damon Stoudemire and Childs losing out to Gonzalez, uh, Gonzaga's Philip Petrushev. We want you to join this conversation specifically by voting in a live poll going on at vote.byu.org and cast on the following question. Who deserved the Coach Player of the Year award more? Was it Yoli Childs or was it Mark Pope? Essentially, we want you to tell us who got jobbed yeah, more. right. So, Jason, uh, let's have you answer the question. Who deserved it more? Okay. I want to say this right off the top. Both of them deserve to win. They both should have won their respective awards, player of the year and coach of the year. But since that isn't the question, I'm going to go with Yoli Childs. And while I do think Pope deserves the award, I can at least understand more why Damon Stoudemire was given the Coach of the Year award. I can, he improved his team's win total from 14 regular season wins last season to 23 this year and put them in a prime spot heading into the WCC tournament. So I can, I can understand that more. Now, I still would have gone with Pope, but I can at least understand that more than the Player of the Year results. As for Yoli... The only reason I can think of as to why he didn't get it is because he didn't play as many games. Yes. However, he did qualify for the award. And in order to qualify for the award, he had to play in 75% of the conference games. So he played in the amount of games that is required to be up for this award. So in my opinion, once you qualify for it, 
You're, you're in the mix, and it shouldn't matter at that point. That's the only reason I can think of, because Petrushev, he averaged 18-7 and seven on the team that won the regular season. Best if you're, player on yes, the best team. If you're just going to go with the best player on the best team, then the league got it right. I don't think that that's correct, though. Yoli led the league in scoring with 22.7. He was second in the league in rebounding at 8.5. He was a better scorer, a better rebounder, and an equal shooter to Petrushev. Yoli deserved that award. Yeah, I'm not buying the whole best player on the best team, and it should just be that way, because BYU's had two players of the year when they didn't win the yes. regular season or the conference tournament. Tyler Haas did it in 13-14. Two years later, Kyle Collinsworth did it. So I thought... Uh, the coaches will see that. Yoli Childs is clearly the best individual player in the conference. And here's why. Because if you take Yoli off of BYU's team, the Cougars are obviously different. Still talented, yep. still able to win a big game, but it was obvious the difference that Yoli Childs made once he got back with the team. BYU went from a bubblicious team to number nine in the net rankings, 11 in Ken Palm, and a lock for the NCAA tournament. He made that much of a difference. Gonzaga is so loaded that if Philip Petrushev was taken out of the lineup, let's say for, I don't know, 13 games yeah. like Yoli didn't play, they'd still be awesome because they have a freshman, Timmy, who was incredible, and a West Coast Conference All-Freshman team member. They could insert him and a number of other guys, and they'd be fine with Woolridge and Gilder and Kispert and Killian Tilly. Like, they're not going to have that much of a drop-off without Philip Petrushev. I think Yoli is the most valuable yes. player in the conference, and he deserved the player of the year, but it is because he didn't play all 16 games. And coaches... Then why, won- do, you, then why do you even have the, the, the requirement that you have to qualify for a certain amount of games? It doesn't make any sense to me. If he qualified, then once that, once that qualification is met, then it shouldn't matter. If, if you've put in the rules that you have to play at least 75% of the games, and then a player plays 75% of the games, once that happens, it should no longer be used for another player or against another player. Yeah. In my opinion. No, I, I get and, it. And, and the other part about it is head-to-head. They only had one matchup where, where Petrushev and Yoli played in the same game. That was the game in Provo, Okay. Yoli dominated that matchup, and his team won that game. That's another head-to-head matchup where, B- where BYU was the better team, and Yoli was by far the better player. Now, again, the only reason I think the coaches went with Petrushev is because more coaches saw him than they saw Yoli Childs give their team trouble, just based on the number of games alone. So that, that's the only reason I can see why Petrushev takes the cake over Child. Just He played more games. He gave... More coaches, more headaches than Childs did. I also think there's, to a certain extent, when these awards come up, I think everybody looks first to Gonzaga. Why wouldn't you? They're the king of uh, I, I the think, league. I think, that there's, I think that maybe subconsciously that's where some of this stuff leans anyway because that's where you look first. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Yoli got jobbed more. I think Mark Pope deserves it. Yeah, but they both deserve to win. Mark the- Few, honestly, Mark Few could have won yeah. it too, and I would have had no issue with that. Mark Few, Mark Pope, either of the Marks... And that's taking nothing away from Damon. It just, Gonzaga and BYU have gone next level this year. Yeah. Today marks day three of BYU football spring practices. And there's still plenty of time before the season begins. But we love looking at these position groups and where things stand as of today. So, Spencer, what are the areas 
position-wise, what's the position that you have the most concern of right now? And what's the position where you have the most confidence in right now? Okay, I'm going to start with the confidence factor. And if you watched the show earlier this week, you already know my answer. It's the BYU tight ends. They are so good, and they have an All-American led by Matt Bushman. So obviously, it's the BYU tight ends. Isaac Rex looks fantastic in the limited time I've seen him in spring. Coaches rave about him. The BYU tight ends group is going to be very good for a long, long time. And if you're in trouble, Zach Wilson knows where to go. Yeah. Look for your tight end. Look for your safety valve. It is Matt Bushman. I think this is the most deep and loaded, talented group that BYU football has on the team right now. And they'll be more noticed than a group like the offensive line because the offensive line is great and they have a ton of experience. I just think that people will be able to see how good the tight ends are. And as good as Bushman is, I don't think there's going to be a ton of drop-off. I think this tight ends group is going to be good for at least the next five to six years. BYU tight ends are back. Now, in terms of concern level, it's not so much that I don't think BYU's first-teamers can handle it. It's more of the concern for depth, and that's on the defensive line. I don't know what BYU has on the defensive line outside of Kairos Tonga and Atunaisa Mahe. Devin Kafusi wasn't dressed in the practice that I watched him, so I wonder if he's okay. I know that Uriah Leatawa and Lorenzo Fawatea are in the mix as well. I don't, I don't know how deep BYU is at defensive line. I'm going to need the coaches to talk me up in terms of why I should or should not be concerned a little bit more there. But that, if guys get hurt, Kairos gets hurt, Nisa gets hurt, then I think BYU might be in trouble with the defensive line pass rush. For me, the position that I'm most confident in, and you mentioned it a second ago, it is the offensive line. I understand that it's not the, the glamour position, but as we've seen, it's such an important start to where everything begins for this offense that I, I, I'm very confident in what is coming back. You legitimately have two NFL players on the line in Brady Christensen and James Empey. These are guys that are going to play in the National Football Brady League. Christensen might be the highest graded yes. player of any football player on the BYU roster right now. So you have, you have two NFL guys there, and we talked about it a month or so ago when, we had, when both were named to some of, the, some of the lists that had the top returning linemen in college football. Plus, consistency plays a big role in why I'm so confident in that position. You have the majority of the line back. You not only have your starters in place, but I think the depth behind them is there as well. I think they know who those guys are. I think they're confident in the guys that if they need to shuffle guys around or bring guys in from, from the depth, that I think they're in pretty good shape. I, I think BYU is back to being the program that can simply reload at offensive line year in and year out. And that's something that this coaching staff specifically, when they came in, was looking to overhaul the way that the offensive line looked and performed, and, and I think we're getting to that point where it's now just reload year after year after year. I think it's been got a while the since in. BYU had guys from that position yes. go into the National Football yeah. League. So for me, the, the one that I, I have the most concern or right now the least confident in is kicker. Ooh, Jake Oldroyd right now is the only kicker on the roster. Okay. And Skyler Southland Scott, transfers tra- to Utah. Transfers to Utah. Um, and, and I'm, I'm not worried about the punting. It's, it's more the field goals. I, I thought Southam did a fantastic job punting uh, when he had the opportunity. Oldroyd? Or excuse me, Oldroyd. Excuse yeah. me, yes, Oldroyd. So while last season, though, began on a positive note, everything to begin the season, you're thinking, oh, the, the kicking game is solid. It, towards the end of the year, it, it was a problem. Oldroyd finished the year 16 of 24. 
And between the yards of 30 and 50, he was 9 of 16. After starting the year 10 of 11, yeah. BYU kickers only made 7 out of 16 the rest of the year. Yeah, that's level that, of so, that's, so that's reason th- for that's concern. That's the one position right now that I, I have the most concern about going into the year because it does change. It changes whether or not you go for it on fourth down if you're in a certain area. You know, it not only changes kicking, but it could change how the offense calls plays. So that's probably where I'm at with the concern right now. Okay, those are your concerns and confidence markers for BYU football going into the 2020 season. Jason likes the offensive line, concerned about the kickers. I really like that group of tight ends led by Matt Bushman, and I'd like to see some more depth on the defensive line. Honestly, I just want to see what scheme BYU is going to run, and then I'll probably (laughs) feel a lot better because it's going to be a 4-2-5, a 3-3-5, a 3-4, a 4-3. I just want to know... So, Because they want to get the best 11 on the field, obviously. But what scheme is going to allow BYU to do that without asking guys like Zane Anderson to bulk up and gain 30 pounds? Or I feel like they're putting guys back more in their natural element. Do they have enough depth to do that and just be solid and not have to worry about injuries for the first time in a long time? Right. Yeah. All right, Jerem, now to the topic that I know you really want to discuss. I want to discuss all of it. BYU Volleyball takes down number one ranked Hawaii as the number two team in the country. Well, number one in the media poll. Don't forget that. Uh huh. I tried to swing the country, and I feel I did successfully like a month and a half ago. Jerem, what is the result of BYU Volleyball last night beating Hawaii the way that they did? What does this mean for the state of volleyball? Oh, who cares about that? Uh, about BYU? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it means BYU's the best team in the country, clearly, right? Clearly. They are. They, they play again tonight at midnight uh, Eastern, 7 Hawaiian. I expect BYU to win again. I don't expect it to be a sweep per se. I think Hawaii takes a set, but I expect BYU to win again, right? It was a dominating performance. BYU is the number one team in the country after sweeping Hawaii. And let's talk about what they did via the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. The stat of the day is two. BYU hit 6-0-3, the second best in the rally era. It would have been the best, would have tied the best, but Hawaii challenged the last play just for fun, got it, and celebrated like they had won something that mattered. At that point, I knew, oh, wow, they're just scratching for anything good, right? Moral victory. And Gabby Garcia-Fernandez had eight aces, the second time he's done that this year, and the second most in BYU history. He's two aces away as well from tying the single-season record by Taylor Sander of 55 aces. BYU is the number one team in the country, and Gabby Garcia-Fernandez is the best player in the country. Jerem, you need to remind everyone that back in, like, week three of the volleyball season, so essentially mid-January, you went out on an island of sorts. (laughs) My own island. Yeah, nice. And said, BYU is the best team in the country because they've actually gone out and beaten somebody. Their resume is better than Hawaii. they had a higher net. Oh, wait, they don't do that. But Hawaii's stayed at the number one spot according to... All year. The coaches. All year until uh, Monday. All year. The media poll had BYU number one. So you swayed your media friends that way. Uh, You were right. 
And you were right in mid-January about this BYU team. This is very exciting. I, I didn't know. I didn't expect what happened last night. I didn't. I didn't expect BYU to dominate. I thought it'd be a good competitive match, and one team would win in four or five by a close margin. It was not close at all. BYU won by twenty-three. Hit six hundred, ten aces as a team. BYU literally played the most amazing match I've seen in fourteen years covering men's volleyball at BYU. It was unbelievable. Now here's the thing. The national championship match is May 9th. That's when BYU needs to play their best, right? And this is awesome. This is great. Two more months of this. Stay healthy. Win the natty. And then we'll talk about whether this is one of the best teams in program history. 1999's team is the best ever. 30-1, first national championship. They won the first 18. Tonight, BYU has a chance to equal that start. Awesome. And, of course, it's almost poetic that it would have to come on the road against the number one team to equal well, but that number one team until Monday because oh, there will be baby. a number one team in Provo in the coaches' poll. Uh, real question is, have you set up your GoFundMe to get to Fairfax, Virginia for that uh, volleyball match? No, we'll have yeah. the budget. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Hey, BYU Radio, no prep. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. What a run for BYU basketball, and what a run for BYU Sports Nation covering this first time in five years lock back into the NCAA. It's kind of fun when BYU's in the NCAA tournament. I forgot what that was like. ESPN's Jay Billis has joined the show. Andy Katz of NCAA.com, Jeff Goodman of Stadium Sports, and now making his show debut, Joe Lunardi, a recorded segment yesterday, and we go in-depth with the resident bracketologist for ESPN. Here's Joe Lunardi of ESPN on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. He is the pride of St. Joseph's University and resident ESPN college basketball bracketologist and insider Joe Lunardi with us on BYU Sports Station. Joe, welcome to the show. Fellas, happy to be on and uh, happy to talk Cougars. Man, it's been a while. <laughs> Five years since BYU has really been in the conversation, and they have burst onto the scene, obviously, with Mark Pope. BYU, nine in the latest net rankings, 10 in Ken Palm. You've got him listed as a six seed. I think people want to know if their numbers are so good in net and Ken Palm, why do you have them as a six seed, Joe? They were a six seed in the current bracket because of bracketing rules. Uh, there are five on our seed list uh, at the moment, number 18 uh, to be exact, which doesn't you know, completely answer the question of why not better. But let, let's remember that uh, those rankings are not the be-all and end-all of this process. Uh, the committee's taking everything into account, and they're aggregating a lot of metrics, looking at a lot of numbers, as I am. And I have kind of a numeric index for all this, and, and, and that's, that's where they fall right now. I, I, I do think they could get into a top-four seed with a WCC championship coming up here uh, in a week in Las Vegas, but I'm pretty comfortable with their slot at the moment. Joe, one of the things that makes BYU unique in terms of seeding is because of the no Sunday play. When it all comes down to it, how much do you think the fact that BYU does not play on Sunday, how much does that affect the seeding as to where they go? 
Well, I wouldn't use the word unique. Uh, I would use a word, you know, that maybe rhymes with pain in the grass. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I say that with all, all due respect to the rule. Like, they, great school, great tradition, they're entitled to make whatever rule they want. Uh, but, you know, the fact of the matter is it eliminates half of the possibilities in each round of the tournament. So we know they're going to be in the West region or the Midwest, period. Uh, based upon their seed, let's say they are a five, right? Well, let's say that uh, the, the, the two five seeds uh, in, in, in a given bracket configuration are both slotted with fours that have been given Friday, Sunday, first weekend sites. Well, that by definition then means BYU can't be a five. Um, so, so, you know, I guess the committee can move them up or down. My opinion is they should always be moved down because to move them up is to disadvantage another team that doesn't have that role. Uh, so, you know, call me call me crazy, but I think if if the school is going to be disadvantaged because of the no Sunday play uh, restriction, it it should be the one who enforces that rule. Uh, having said that, it really shouldn't be more than one seed line in any reasonable uh, set of, of of bracketing hypotheticals and. You know, now, like, like, let, let's say they win the WCC and they're between a four and a five, or, or even better. But let, let's say four and a five. Well, you're talking about playing a two instead of a thirteen, and then hypothetically getting into a four-five game in the round of thirty-two. And in that, you're only talking about who wears dark jerseys, right? Because you're playing the same team you would, whether you're the four and they're the five, or vice versa. Right. Mm. I think it's more of an issue when you're down in the you know ten, eleven, and twelve, or heaven forbid, as was the case a couple times years ago, you're slotted in that Dayton situation because then you're also you can only play on the Tuesday to feed a Thursday Saturday site, and that's problematic in a lot of ways. A again, it cuts your options in half, and B, you got to get from Provo to Dayton, like and play. 48 hours after the bracket comes out. Uh, and, and I know a lot of coaches are not too wild about that, nor should they be. ESPN Bracketologist Joe Lenardi with us on BYU Sports Nation. First and foremost, Joe, let me thank you for going through the headache of seeding BYU and, and pushing through it because <laughs> BYU fans are very excited to be in the bracket regardless. You already gave us what you think might be the best-case scenario for the Cougars if they beat St. Mary's and Gonzaga on back-to-back nights and they win the West Coast Conference tournament title, then they would be maybe a four seed. What's the worst-case scenario for BYU at this point, who seems like a lock in the tourney? Oh, they're absolutely a lock. And, and I would say, you know, unless the committee really misses on them, uh, they, they, they should be far enough away from really the only negative scenario, and that would be to be in an 8-9 game, right? Because uh, nobody wants that. Because uh, if you win, your chances aren't that great of advancing, obviously, because you play – a one seed. Now, one seeds don't win every time 
in the round of 32, but they are one seeds for a reason. And uh, most people would rather even be a 10 or an 11 and take their chances in the first round than avoid that 8-9 spot. Um, So I would say I I, I can't imagine them being worse than a 7, but, but, you know, let's say they lose in the semifinals and it drops them from a five to a six, that, that, that would be the worst I would see. And in a way, the uh, uh, way the WCC brackets its postseason tournament is really helping BYU at this point because unless someone upsets St. Mary's in the quarterfinals, they can't take a bad loss at this point, right? Like the, the only teams they can lose to are St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Absolutely. They can't lose to San Diego or Little Marymount or whomever. Uh, I, I mean, I guess they could lose to an upset winner over St. Mary's, and I haven't looked, you know, as to who that could be. But let's just assume that's not going to happen. <laughs> Still, because I got to sleep sometime. Yeah, absolutely. So, assuming that that the three teams, so you have BYU, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga on on Monday, WCC a lock to get three bids into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I believe the, they are. I, I, I believe the only way St. Mary's could even be in any trouble would be to lose to somebody named not named BYU or. Gonzaga. Now I know they're going to sweat it out uh, because St. Mary's has has seen this movie before, uh, and and generally he did well for them as a bubble team. But they scheduled way way better this year, and they won some of those non league games: uh, Wisconsin, Utah State, Arizona State, uh, and they did get the one win, you know, over the top two teams in the league that overtime game against BYU. I was at that game actually. And uh, it was that no- I went up to Mark Pope and, you know, he was crestfallen. And I said, I said, you know, th- this in no way knocks you out. I said, you're you're going to be in. And, you know, at that time, it, it, it looked more like a bubble situation. But getting healthy, playing well, beating the Zags in that epic game a couple of weeks ago. I, 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 I've said a lot. I just think BYU has great pieces. And they they got a lot of shot makers and older guys who aren't afraid. I absolutely think they're good enough to play in the second weekend. Joe, it's great to talk to you. We appreciate the time. I mean, it's your busy schedule, and we wish you many solid hours of sleep whenever you can get them. Well, that'll be in April. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. See you later. Joe Lenardi on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how a lot of interesting things addressed there. Primarily that BYU, because of Sunday play, will probably be knocked down a seed line. But he did say it wouldn't be more than a seed line. And he also did say what Tom Homo told us. There is a scenario where you could actually bump the team up one seed line but it's more than likely going to be an adjustment of down a seed line based on just the bracketing principles. Now, when you say seed line, let's clarify. There are two different types here. Seed line meaning 1 through 68, so from 20 to 19, as opposed to 5 seed, 2 4 seed, or 2 6 seed, right? It should just move one spot in the overall, and then they look, right? It shouldn't go down. It depends where you are. Are you the last 5 seed? Now you're a 6 seed, right? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, and we just found out that Jerry Palm of CBS and his latest bracket, current as of this morning, has BYU as a five seed. There you go. Playing in St. Louis in the Midwest for a potential Sweet 16 matchup and rematch with Kansas. Yeah, let, let's go. I, four, five, six. I, I'd prefer four or five. Those are better options, obviously, but uh, be happy with anything that uh, isn't seven, eight, or nine. I'm getting picky at this point. When you're nine in net, you're good. You, d- you shouldn't be a seven, right? 28 to 31? Nah, let's go. In the Our- teens. To the teens. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Recently had the opportunity to go one-on-one with BYU, now junior wide receiver Gunnar Romney. Jason, he's bulked up. He looks stronger. He looks faster. Man, the bowl game really uh, did a number on him and the BYU football team. That all discussed in my one-on-one BYU Sports Nation all-access Gunnar Romney. Gunner, one day down, you're a football junkie. How does it feel to be on the field again for spring football? Man, I'm so excited to start spring football again. We've just been working out just without any pads on or anything for the last couple months, and it feels good to finally be on the field competing again, throwing the ball around, so I'm, I'm excited for it. What is it like to compete now with your scholarshiped brother, Baylor? It's a, it's a good time. I think he deserved it. He earned it, and he's been working for it, so it's, it's fun to go out there and compete with him and all the rest of the quarterbacks as well. What are you working on personally to try and get better as a wide receiver? You know, I'm, I've been trying to put on a little bit of weight this offseason, trying to get bigger, get more physical, so I can, you know, have my way with DBs a little bit better. Having your way with the DB, okay, walk me through that. What, what does that entail? So that just being bigger, faster, stronger, just being able to physically impose your will on the DB a little bit better. You know, last year I felt like I did a pretty good job, but it always helps when you're stronger and bigger to be able to just get in and out of your breaks, be more physical, and just come down with every single ball. It's hard to know what an identity of a team is this early into spring ball, but where do you feel like this team will be different than the previous BYU teams you've competed for? Yeah, you know, I think it's just the mindset. Everybody since since uh, since Hawaii last ended, everybody came in with a different mindset, saying we don't want to have another seven and six type season. Uh, we want we want to do something special. We want to leave our mark, and so I think everybody's just been way more competitive in, in the in the off season training. Everybody's been. You know, getting extra work, putting in that extra time to that will make the team great. So I think everybody's sort of playing with a chip on their shoulder this year, and you can you can feel the intensity. It's interesting coming off of a frustrating loss like that. How did you process that individually? You know, it's it's always hard to go into the off season uh, on a on a down note like that, but you can also use it as positive, use it as motiv- use it as motivation for the off season. You know, we don't want that to happen again, and so you have to keep that chip on your shoulder, like I was saying, and just keep working and just remember. How that, how that felt after the game in the locker room, watching those seniors go out on that note, and it, it hurt, and so we don't want to end the season that way. So it's just that extra motivation. What does doing something special mean in your words? Because you brought that up. Mm-hmm. I think it just just uh, have a season like we haven't had in the last couple of years, just get back to that old BYU dominant football and just uh, show everybody that we're, we're back and BYU's back and that we're going, to try and we're going to try and shock a lot of people this year. Let's talk about the quarterbacks because obviously your brother is one of those capable uh, got a win against Boise State, 
is able to hold off Utah State. Um, Jaron started a game at Utah State and played well, and Zach is a very capable incumbent starting quarterback. So, uh, what do you think of the quarterbacks' room right now? I think it's we're just stacked. Like you can't go wrong with any of them. All of them are great players. All of them have their own specific play type that they play with. So it's really pick your poison. I mean, uh, it'll be competitive. I'm not going to lie. It'll be competitive in the room. But all of them are super close too. They they do a great job of keeping it on the field. All of them are pretty good friends, but. I think it's just shoot, pick your poison, you know, just whatever week, uh, whichever, whatever quarterback is their name called, I think they'll, they'll all be ready. Now that they're all healthy, what kind of a difference have you noticed on the field? I think it, it ups the intensity of all of them, you know, um, knowing that there's a, there's a person right behind them that can, that can push them. I think it really ups the, ups the competition to them. And it also spreads around the entire field because you see them competing and they're, they're the leaders of the team. So it really ups the intensity of everybody and everybody's com- more competitive. So besides you at wide receiver, what does BYU bring back in terms of experience and, uh, I guess, swag that you're excited about in the receivers group? You know, we, we did lose a, a big chunk of our receiving core, but, you know, me, Dax, and then Neil returning, I think we, we have some experience, and I think we're, we're all hungry and ready. And so I think we're all, we're all ready to step up and, and take, that challenge, take on that challenge. Which defender do you enjoy competing against the most? Oh, man. See, I'm pretty good friends with most of the DVs, so it's, it's a lot of trash talk that goes on. I can't really name one specific one, if we're being honest, because it's, it's different with every single one. You know, D'Lo, Isaiah, Chris, like all those DVs, it's, it's a lot of trash talk, but it, it makes it a lot, a lot of fun. Gunner, you don't seem like the type to do a lot of trash talk. Are you a different person when you're playing against your own team? You know, when, the, when you're on the field, a different side of me comes out, and so it's, it's – I keep it kind of quiet. You know, you won't see a lot of the chirping, but they, they know it's, what's happening. So if you could pinpoint something that you want to do or, or uh, an area that you want your team to get to by the end of spring ball, what, what does that team look like? Yeah, I think we just want to be solidified on the playbook, solidified on the little details. So by the time we get into summer and, and fall, we're not really worrying about any of that stuff. And we can focus on just, just being great. You know, we're not held back by people missing assignments. We're not held back by people um, – not knowing coverages or not knowing defenses and so we can really just just hone in with timing and hone in with uh, chemistry and stuff so I just want the spring to be productive and learning and for all the younger guys and even the experienced guys to just continue to to learn hey, we'll finish with this are you still the greatest Romney brother on the football team right now of course I mean I I'm a little biased to myself obviously but sorry Baylor and sorry Tate in two years so. thanks Gunner thank you ah long live brotherly love Gunnar Romney, BYU Sports Nation All Access. He said something similar to what Yoli Child said. We want to do something special. We want to leave our mark. I followed up with that and said, well, what does that mean? And he said, have the type of football season that BYU hasn't had in a long time. You know what that is in my mind, Jason? A team that finishes ranked in the top 25 and wins nine or more football games. It's been a while. Well, and Gunnar is one of those guys that, and, and you guys talked about, just with so many wide receivers moving on and graduating, he's, he's in one of those prime spots to be a massive playmaker. And we certainly know what his skill set is. I'm excited to see what his season looks like because I think he could have a, a big, big year. It's Gunnar Romney, it's Dax Milne, and then it's Neil Pau. Yep. Those are the three main receivers we think in spring football right now that should lead that room coming into the fall. Absolutely. It is time to play Dope or Nope, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Jerem, I'm going to start. Dope or Nope, Mark Pope, 
being a semifinalist for Naismith Coach of the Year Award. I will try and cope with this answer. Uh, <laughs> of course, it's dope. Yeah, uh, it's dope because it's some more, more acknowledgement that the league didn't give BYU. Obviously, it's a most improved award, and BYU is typically good, and now they're just better, right? So I, I kind of get it. I don't agree with it. But with this award, the Naismith, oh, yeah, absolutely. Validating for Marco. This is dope. Only 10 guys are named semifinalists. It only pushed down to four on March 18th. He's one of the top 10 coaches of the year nationally. And, and Dave Rose brought up a good point as, as he was leading when we were talking. You, you have to be nationally relevant. Your team has to be amazing for you to be on this list. It's not about a regional yeah. thing in the conference. This is a big deal. This is dope. Did you get married or did you elope? Hey, oh, number two. Dope or no, the Cougars get another chance tonight to take down number one Hawaii. Uh, dope, yeah. If you beat them once, why not beat them twice? And then just secure to everybody across the country that you are clearly the best team and cannot be beat. And... This is a chance for BYU to equal their best start in program history, poetically, on the road, in a great venue against Hawaii. I can't think of a better setup for BYU to try and equal that mark. Yes, for Hawaii, there's no time to mope. For BYU, they've got to jump in there and get back at it, right? If you can beat them twice, no matter how it is, even if it's in five, you've established you're the number one team. I think BYU has already, almost no matter what happens tonight. I don't think that BYU would get blown out and swept. So I think BYU is going to be number one regardless. It's whether they're the consensus number one. You know what else rhymes with dope or nope? What? The Grand Canyon Lopes. Lope. Lope. Also a As volleyball. As in antelopes. Yes. Yeah. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are pleased to bring in Roxy Bernstein, play-by-play broadcaster extraordinaire for ESPN. And yes, BYU TV this week and the West Coast Conference. I get to make my BYU game debut tonight. BYU yeah, we're TV. Let's go, yeah, man. Me too. It's going to be fun. And then Dave Rose working with us tonight. You ever heard of this guy, Dave Rose? Uh, da- uh, David. I David. I got it to David. He's changed okay. to David. Make sure you address him as David Rose. Today. David Rose. <laughs> the broadcaster. Well, like, David. It's great to have you with us, seriously, for a week of March Madness in Vegas. This is awesome. I mean, this tournament, this year of all years, considering how much better the league is, for years, the bottom of the league struggled, right? And this year, the league has been so much better. When you look at... Not just the top, right? We know how good Gonzaga is. And BYU is on a great roll right now. And they're one of the elite teams also right now. And St. Mary's has been consistent for years. But when you look at the next tier, right? USF, Pacific. I mean, Santa Clara's got a chance for their 20th win tonight. And they just lost six in a row prior to losing, uh, beating Portland last Saturday. So I think it goes to show how strong this league is now in the depth. And the coaches and everything that's going on in this league, it's setting up for a great tournament. We've been talking a lot about what seed should BYU get. They're nine in Neb. They have a six seed in in Lenardi's bracket. We just talked to uh, Joe yesterday. Was he in the cave? Just aired that because you know Bill Walton Was says that in... Lenardi lives in a cave. He w- he was in a hotel. <laughs> Depends on the hotel whether it's a cave. Right? Well, if you remember I, during the BYU game at St. Mary's, I I brought it up to him the night Bill ate. 
peanut butter off the television screen. Who can forget such a momentous <laughs> occasion? But I, I, I had to find out. Please, Joe, put this rumor to bed. You do not live in a cave. And he confirmed he doesn't. Oh, okay. So, and we tried to get Bill for the tourney. It just... He, not enough peanut butter. Please. What's the issue? Yeah. Please. Jerem, is it? Bill with two L's. How are you? <laughs> with two L's. <laughs> what a great band Rush is. I remember He doesn't know Rush who they are. He's, you know, he's the Whatever, dead. man. He's Fogarty. He's CCR. He's Bob Dylan. He doesn't know who Rush is. He doesn't. <laughs> oh, Bill Walton. You've done that, Roxy. And that's why you earned the right to broadcast. <laughs> that, that was mainly your tryout. It wasn't your other accomplishments. <laughs> it was that you could handle William. Please. Yes. Please. Little Billy. Please. Little, little Bill with two L's. Bill don't with forget two L's. it. Roxy Bernstein with us on BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy and I had a little bit of a fun tiff uh, after the coaches voted Philip Petrushev the player of the year in the West Coast Conference. And we looked at the numbers and thought, okay, Yoli Childs, we feel, is the best player in the conference. Why didn't he earn it? What Did he deserve it over Petrushev? I, I think that Yoli missing those games with the injury, I think, contributed to him not winning player of the year um when you look at gonzaga petrushev is their best player and their most maybe important player the same thing could be said for yoli with byu although hawes has played great hit some huge shots of course in the game against st mary's toolson's been a great addition coming back to byu can he be newcomer of the year even though he was already at the we asked we the had question. that question we had league, to ask and the, the league question. was like yes before. so he yeah. can yes okay well, he was already here for two years. I guess, yeah. It was like a season and a half. He but it's a great yeah. comeback yeah. story. Sure. So, comeback player. Um, and then you look at St. Mary's and Fitz and Ford. You know the guy that I think, and maybe nobody's talking about him? How about your little trip from Pacific? Defensive player of the year and a first-teamer. I, I mean, where, where would Pacific be without him? And Damon Stoudemire's gotten the Tigers to fourth. Right. What a job. He's well-deserving of coach of the year. Mark Pope's got a case, I think, also. A case? Uh, a strong case. Can we talk about it for a sec? Okay. So Pacific only played Gonzaga and BYU once. That's my That's issue true. with that. If they play it's both not Damon's team, fault. <laughs> it's the league. Well, maybe it is because they were bad the year before. <laughs> and the, the, their net ranking right. was low. So Right. Yeah, wait a minute. He was still the coach. No, yeah. but for sure, Damon Stoudemire and Pacific have had a nice banner year. We were just like, wait a minute. And and I, there's those on the outside that go, well, they had this talented players. Yoli Child is gone if Mark Pope's not here. Jake Tulson doesn't come back. So he, Alex Barcelo comes. And then you have to win. And, oh, by the way, nine-game suspension, four games with the finger with Yoli. Oh, by the way, Jake Tulson played with the – can we make Mark, Mark Pope, Pope was the can he be of GM year? of the year? How's that? <laughs> right? Seriously, to Seriously. get Toulson to come to down the road, yeah, and then get Yoli to come back, and then get Barcelo to transfer in from Arizona and get the waiver so he's eligible immediately. Did I, we just think, create that? I think we we did the BYU yeah, you, TV GM of the year in the West Coast Conference. Well, what do you think? Let's take the BYU TV out of it because it looks too biased, you know. Okay, so the. BYU the, Sports Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Roxy Bernstein. GM of the year in the West Coast Conference. That's not a mouthful at all. Uh, this tournament's especially fun. You talked about the bottom, but uh, St. Mary's is the reigning champ of this tournament on the men's side. And in comes BYU having defeated Gonzaga recently. Um, I still think this is Gonzaga's tournament to lose. I joke that it's the Gonzaga Invitational. Mark, presented, Mark Few Invitational. Presented by the West Coast Conference, right? Um, because the way they pack this place, the tradition they have, if they lose, it's this huge upset. Uh, I think it's going to be fun, but I, I still have the Zags as kind of the team to beat here. I'm with you, and I think it gives them an advantage being the one that St. Mary's and BYU, assuming that they advance, uh, 
well, BYU is going to be waiting for St. Mary's, but assuming the Gales win and get to Monday night, and that's going to be a battle, well, and Gonzaga will, on paper at least, have the easier game to get to the championship. So I, I think it does play in to what you're saying, Jeremy, that it is Mark Few and Gonzaga's tournament to lose. And oh, by the way, you could give Mark Few the coach of the year every year. That's like, true. Well, he's won it, what, 13 times? That's crazy. It could be every year. Yeah. It, it really is. Two games. The, the, Mar- the Mark Few Coach of the Year Award goes to Damon Stoudemire. <laughs> <laughs> they should rename it that. Like, legitimately. 13 times. When he retires, he'll probably get that named after him, but yeah. he's still going strong. He's unbelievable. Play-by-play specialist Roxy Bernstein on BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Las Vegas. I'd like to set up our next question with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Since the year 2000, no team lower than a three seed has won the West Coast Conference Tournament. And only one time has the three seed in the last 21 years won the West Coast Conference Tournament. It's always been the one or the two. So who doesn't have a shot? Was it San Diego? In 2008. 2008, out on their home floor at the Slim Gym. That was a big deal, right? Yeah. And maybe that's the reason that it's neutral now. It's well, also, why wouldn't you want it here in Vegas? True. I mean, come on. True. Destination. But the changes have generally exactly. been made to accommodate Gonzaga's will. So with that in okay. mind, Roxy, who's the team not named BYU, St. Mary's, or Gonzaga that has a chance to really mess up the bracket? I'm going to go with the USF Dons. Uh, Todd Golden, they got their 20th win the other day. Although any time Pepperdine takes the floor, they got Colby Ross who can take over a game. But there's something different about playing USF and their style. Um, and if they're hitting shots, that's the thing is if they're not making their threes, it could be a long day. But if they're na- nailing their threes and playing that nerd ball and spreading it out, nerd ball, nobody knows it I better like than it. BYU who lost on the hilltop. See, so they could be dangerous in this team. But those two teams at five and six, you can't say that in most years, but this is a year. And you look at Pepperdine played Gonzaga tough both times lost by five up the kennel and it was a tie game until about 10 minutes to go in the game in Malibu now they did play without Tilly in that game in Malibu but those two teams are difficult to play against especially for Pepperdine if they could stay out of foul trouble the Edwards brothers and Ross so those five six teams are, are going to be tough outs in this tournament all right Roxy great to have you with us we look forward to your call tonight LMU San Diego Santa Clara and Portland let's get this thing going I really wish I knew something about this David Rose guy who's joining us <laughs> David Rose David Rose Dave David podcast yeah we're just told little Davy yeah <laughs> little Davy thanks Rock. you got it the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is now time we take a look back and a look ahead as we break down the BYU football position groups and focus on the pass defense today, the secondary, defensive backs, corners, all of it. Presented by Tim Daly Nissan, today we are looking at, again, the pass defense. Lost. Serious group of yes, players, absolutely. Jason. I mean, talk, we're starting with Diane Gawoliku. Yeah, Diane Gawoliku, as we saw during his time at BYU, was a fantastic player at safety, at cornerback. Wherever you put Diane, he was a playmaker. Running back, scoring yes. touchdowns. Yes, he was, he was unbelievable. Diane Gawoliku is one of the players lost. Austin Lee is a player that is moving on at safety. Austin Kofensis, Sawyer Powell, those are all guys that you look at that BYU will not have in the defensive back. Think field. about it. Who, who are the two guys for BYU football right now that are trying to pursue professional football that have the best shot, we think, to make a roster right now? 
Dango Wolaku and, and Austin, Austin Lee. Lee. Right? Okay, so that, that group, like the, those are the guys that we feel have the best shot to go next level. Now, what BYU does bring back is interesting because they're not all coming back at positions that they were playing last year. Yeah, mo- some movement here. Yeah, Zane the Train Anderson is back but not playing linebacker and maybe not playing safety but playing cornerback. He was with the corners to open up spring football practice. That intrigues me, by the way. Because of his speed and his physicality, I actually like the idea of him at corner. I like that move. He see, looks, see, we'll see if it plays out that way, but at least right now he's at least with that group. He, he looks a lot better. He says he feels a lot better and understandably feels way faster. So Zane Anderson, maybe at cornerback. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him do kind of what Diane Gawalaku does, which is, hey, we're going to put you where we need you. We exactly. need you at cornerback this week based on an injury. We need you at safety this week based on a matchup, whatever. Okay, then there's Troy Warner, who had one of the defensive highlights of the first practice, an interception on Jaron Hall. He's back at safety, and he he's healthy for the first time in a full offseason, kind of like Fred had to go through between his yeah. sophomore and junior years. Yeah, and that, that's really one of the things that's just plagued Troy is his just he, he hasn't been able to be healthy enough to get on the field and, and to prove what, what he can do because we, the talent is there. He just has been hurt and hasn't been able to get on the field as much. D'Angelo Mandel, Isaiah Heron also back at cornerback. Chris Wilcox is back. back. They yeah. love The coaches love Chris Wilcox, and for, and for good reason. Yeah, he, the, this is a guy, in terms of speed and athleticism, I mean, he's one of the best on, on the team without question. So having him back and, and healthy is, is a big deal. And then Max Tooley, now, we talk about position changes, now at safety. Yeah, so Max Tooley is not going to put on a ton of weight. He's back where he feels more comfortable. I like the safety group. I like. I think BYU's secondary is in a pretty good place, probably in the best place they've been since, I think, 2013-2014. I talked about depth. I feel like BYU's secondary, they have depth, Jason. It's a good thing. It's not something that they've enjoyed recently. Well, they have depth, but you don't want them to have to use the depth. That's been one of the other things is BYU's had to – dip into the depth way too much because of injuries. Hopefully, you don't have to use as much of the depth as maybe you have in years past. Okay, Jason. Hey, we just scored, so let's go and one. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Me. Going into the weekend, Jerem Jordan with a 43-38 lead. You know how the drill works. We make two picks. Get the first one right. You have a chance at a bonus point or a free throw with the second pick. I'll go first. I said BYU would produce the game's leading scorer. Swish! Barely got that one. Yoli Childs with a career-high 38 points. Why would they not double-team him at some point? Two is less than three again. Lorenzo <laughs> Romar. And one! BYU will win by nine points or fewer. Swish! No, I got that wrong. But thanks for the switch they did, anyway. They did switch a lot. <laughs> and that was the issue. I was feeling like I was in good position to get both at halftime. BYU down yeah. three, but I thought, oh, they're going to win. Halftime, be careful. And the Cougars run away with it in the second. They by how many? Plus 20. They went plus 20 in the second half. They win by 17, Jerem. Oh, 17. Mm-hmm. <sighs> My two-pointer. I got scared and didn't do the aggressive one first. My two-pointer. Colby Ross will score 21 plus. Mm. Held to eight. Colby Ross's usage is so high. I play pickup like Colby Ross plays in the game. And my and one pick. And one. 17 plus. BYU will be ranked 17 or better come Monday. 
Swish! They're up to 15. I thought BYU would win, and I thought the teams in front of BYU would lose, and that happened, uh, but that was the one point. That count. So you get two, and I have zero. Jerem still maintains the overall lead. You're the regular season champion. This is what it's 40. like to be Gonzaga. 43-40. <laughs> feels great. One by two. Two games. They won by two games. How about that? That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.